0: Only in Jesus are you completely forgiven, perfectly loved, and fully and finally able to overcome the power of sin and death in your life. And so when we sing a song like that, we're really praising the Lord, we're recognizing what we have when we have Christ. And that's really what we have, you know, uh, what we've been looking at over the course of this summer as we've been going through the book of Philippians. I invite you now to turn there in Philippians chapter 3 where Paul says, Christ is it. He's it. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And, and that's going to be something he just puts forward, and he's so bold, and and calls us to live a life that that imitates Christ, that, that reflects him in all that we do. You know, uh, the, this work of God that's in us through Christ, uh, he talks about in verse 6 of chapter 1, he says that, that he was confident that he who began a good work will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so we're called into this community of Christ followers where, where God is working in us to redeem us and restore us to himself. More recently, we've looked that Jesus Christ must be our confidence and he also must be our comparison in life. We're not to look around us and say, how am I doing? Even when it comes to following Christ, how am I doing compared to you or to you or to them? And to kind of structure ourselves so we're better than half the people around us. Um, folks, we're called to make our comparison Christ, where we just look at him. How am I following him? How am I submitting my life to him? How am I leading uh the relationships in my life for him. Last week we looked at Christ is our reward, and we're kind of hardwired for reward, aren't we? And with Christ, when he is our reward, when he is what we're after, we truly win, not only in this life, but in the next, in eternity. And so uh, this this passage that we looked at last week, I'm gonna kind of jettison off it, kind of springboard off it, starting with verse 16 of Philippians chapter three, it says this, only let us hold true to what we have attained. What does he mean? He's he's basically calling us into, you've you've got the gospel, you've got the revelation of God, hold true to it. Here's what I've noticed as a pastor. Everybody wants a special revelation from God. Everybody wants more than we have in the scriptures. They want God to speak to them like a burning bush. And what Paul is saying, no, 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 you have it. You, when you have Christ, you have more of God. So seek after him. And we as a church need to realize that. We need to realize God has already spoken to us. This is good stuff. Folks, if we actually applied the 10% of what we already know, this world would never be the same. So we've got to realize that. What we know to be true, hold to it. Okay, now he's going to call us. call us to follow. Listen to this in verse 17. And we'll read through chapter 4, verse 1. Now let's unpack this a little bit. Let's look at the progression that Paul is calling us into. Paul is saying there are two things that we are given by God to follow him. One is the example of Christ and The second one is the example of others around us. We're never called into following Christ to be an isolated island out there, just trying to do it where it's just you and God. We're called into a community of Christ followers where we can look around us and actually see examples of what it looks like to practically follow Christ. That's why we have the church. Did you realize that? The church is not for you to come in a little cocoon, sit, experience, and walk away. It's for you to come and do life together with us. It's for you to come and explore the scriptures practically with us and to apply them with a group of people that you can move into an authenticity with and a life sharing with. We're not called into isolation. We're called into community as we do this. That's why Paul says, imitate me and others who are living in accordance to the way Christ has lived. That's the whole picture. And, and this is what God grants us. God grants us more of what we desire. So if we want more of ourselves, God will give you over to more of yourself. Some of you have come here and you've been living for yourself. And you know what that looks like. And that may be one reason you tried to give this a shot. Because when I go and structure my life apart from Christ, it doesn't work. It doesn't. What I seek and what I long for and the longing of my soul is not answered in other band-aids apart from the healing work of Christ. Uh, so God gives us over to that, you know, in, in Romans chapter one, it talks about how God, the creator created all these things that reflect him. But rather than worshiping him, we in our depraved minds exchanged the glory of God for a lie. And we worshiped creation over the creator. And and that's a huge issue of what sin is all about in our lives. But it says what God did as a result of it. God gave us, gave them over to their desires. And we got what we wanted. We gotta be careful what we ask from God because the, the, the inverse is also true. If you want more of him, he gives you more of himself. If you want a greater heart for him and you seek that, he gives you a greater heart for that. He gives you your desire. He does not call you kicking and screaming to himself. That's a great aspect of who our God is and the, the will he has given us and, and the two options we have, one that leads to destruction and one that leads to life. And so as we ask of God, the result will be either more of you, more of depravity, selfishness or pride or more of him. Righteousness, selflessness and humility. The choice that we're going to get from this passage is very clear. We can either be an imitator of Christ or we will be an imposter of Christ. Those are two things that we're called to in this passage. You will either follow Christ and imitate him Or you will be an imposter. Now, the Greek word for imitate uh, that Paul uses here is a word. See if you can get the English word from this. It's semimitai. Yeah, we get the word, the English word symmetry from it. And what does symmetry mean? It means consistent, balanced, a lookalike, example. Do you remember the mimeographs? That's also a word that came from here. I'm dated. I'm sorry, people. For all you laser printer fans. There was a mimeograph when I, in the 70s. And that's what we had to do with the mimeograph. It made a copy. So copy Christ. Copy Christ. And Paul would say that in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. He said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So it's not, we're not called to be Paulites. We're not called to be Paulians. We're called to be Christians. And a Christian is a Christ follower who looks like christ and then he also talks about the imposter and he calls them very harsh words doesn't mince words at this he's very bold and open here he calls them enemies of the cross where do we see um this being used in another place that i kind of saw this used is when jesus was talking that he must die and 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 be buried and then resurrect and peter said no way No way, may it never be. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. He was an enemy of the cross because he wanted the glory of God without the suffering of Christ, of which secured on the cross our forgiveness, our restoration, our redemption back. So we want to be careful. Paul was talking to that church in in Philippi. And he was talking to a Jewish group as he was talking to a Gentile group. The Jewish group wanted Christ and the law. And Paul said, no, it's Christ plus nothing. It's the grace of God that's appeared to all of us. And, and the Gentile congregation wanted, we want Christ and our old way of living, where we lived for our lives and we worshiped the other gods and all. We want that. And Paul said, no, it's Christ alone. And, and that's why he would say, for us, for me to live and for all of us to live is Christ. He has to be the one and only in our lives. He has to be our, our pursuit, our purpose, our passion. We're called into that. So, as we look into this and kind of dig deeper, um, what, how are we enemies of the cross? Well, Paul's going to list four things for us that I think are important for us to kind of explore. And, and when these thoughts, when these actions, not just when these statements, it's easy to say, I'm a Christian, but it's another thing to actually live as a Christian, as a Christ follower. We don't want to be an imposter. Here's how an imposter is revealed. Look at that. Look at how he talks about that in verse 18. He says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. In other words, it really hurt him. It broke his heart that people he had pastored had had become enemies of the cross. He says, Their end is destruction. Look at that first phrase. Their end is destruction. What is he saying? He's saying the product, the end of their lives will be destruction. And and he kind of talks about this earlier in 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you brought with you, take take a look with me and flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. I know this isn't on the the, uh, screen behind me, so you're going to have to look at this in black and white right before you. But Paul is talking about. What is the product of your life? When it all gets down to it, when the day happens, when when there will be true judgment, when when you appear before the Lord, that day will reveal everything on what the product of your life is. Listen to this. He says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the product. And that's the foundation. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, he says in verse 12, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, What's Paul saying is you can you can base your life, you can build your life on things that last right now or things that last for eternity. Things that on that day will be burned up. Even the, the things that our world holds, holds precious, gold, silver, precious stones, as well as insignificant things that kind of become huge distractions in, their, in our lives. Or we can base our lives on eternity. And he's calling us when it's Christ, when it's Christ, it's eternal. And so that's why we want to really take a look. What's the product of my life? Have I invested my life in God, His Word, and people? Because those will last forever. Or have I invested my life in things, my agenda, my daytimer, my pleasure, whatever my joy, whatever I seek apart from Christ that's not that? And we're called into being an imitator of Christ. Because when we get the product, when the product of our life ends up as destruction, we've lost. We've lost. You know, when I die, I want to be labeled more than just nice. I do. It's kind of like when I was in high school, I just dreaded when you'd give your yearbook to someone to sign, especially a girl. I would hate this. Joe, you're really sweet and cute. (laughs) Hated that. That means... Yeah, you're a nice guy. You're one of those sweet, cute guys over there. No, I wanted something more. I want, you are so important to me. I wanted something more than have a nice summer, you know? And, and sometimes we, we can live our lives and, and we get to the ends and someone says, yeah, he was a nice guy. Good person, good person overall. no. As a believer, you don't want a Schindler's List moment where you go, oh, this watch could have been so done so. No, you want to invest your life now for eternity. You want to advance the kingdom of God to, through your life. I want to be someone who said he advanced the kingdom of God in his family. He advanced the kingdom of God in his church. He advanced his kingdom, of, the kingdom of God through his community. I want to be someone who, who people say that about. I don't want the end of my life just to be destruction. Folks, there's no U-Hauls at funerals what do you take with you god his word and people those are what last so how does your product of your life reflect that okay second one is our passions has to do with our passions let's flip back to philippians chapter chapter 3 and right after it says their end is destruction it says their god is their belly When I think of belly, I think of Buddha. Okay, so this isn't the belly that we're talking about. We're talking about when, when, when you had a passion for something, when you were you you longed for something. It was in your guts. Okay, so that's what it's talking about. Your God is in your guts. In other words, you're they they just long for the opposite of this. This phrase is self-controlled means it's out of control they're going out of control and they're seeking what are they, oh, i want that and i want that and god is their belly it speaks out to the jew they were saying those ceremonial laws that you think you needed christ and no no that's your god get rid of that to the gentile audience they were saying you're pursuing all these things you're you're seeking after those all those little desires apart from christ you're not making him your pleasure you're not making him your joy god is your belly and we can do that if, we, if we're distracted from Christ. We just chase after the next little drug. We chase after that next little fantasy. We chase after that next little person that makes us feel good. And we ignore Christ. Our God becomes our bellies. That's what happens when we start living as an imposter. And then it talks about the pride Pride is another thing because their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. What does this mean? This means that they take great pride. They they kind of laugh about their life apart from Christ. They Kind of laugh about their sin. They downplay it. Ah, oh, it's just how I am. You know, how many times have you heard that? And they kind of, it's kind of like a, a group of high school guys the day after a huge party talking about their party and laughing and someone being elevated to the king of the party. It's what we do when we kind of just discount sin in our lives. When we kind of downplay it, we kind of just ignore it. And we just go on and we glory in our shame. See, our culture doesn't like shame. They don't like guilt. So they eradicate morality so that there's no guilt and no shame. But how many of us are hurt when other people live like that in our lives? You can't live like that and not hurt people. This world is so much greater than you, so much greater than your little universe that's revolving around your life. This is about God. And this is about the lives of others. And so their product, their passions, their pride, and then their pursuits. And this is really the root of the issue because it says this. It says, with minds set on earthly things. It's because their mind are set on earthly things that all these other things result ultimately leading to the end of destruction. And this is the root of the problem, a mind set on earthly things. Romans 8.5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. This is not rocket science, folks. What your mind is set upon is what guides and pursues, determines the pursuits of your life. And Paul is saying, pursue Christ. Set your mind on things above, not things on this earth. No one likes an imposter. I'm going to date myself now, okay? So, So hang with me. In 1989, there was this new group... And this group won three Grammys for best new group and they were performing in 1990 and into a packed out auditorium and all of a sudden something happened. The sound started repeating itself, and their top hit, Girl You Know It's True, started repeating, Girl You Know It's, Girl You Know It's, Girl You Know It's, for 15 times, and the lead performers looked at each other and ran off the stage in tears. Their group was Milli Vanilli. Do you remember them? No one does, okay? All right, I'm one of the older ones in the room here, okay? And what happened was everyone went, What happened? And then the people the day after said, We know what happened. They were lip syncing. And the truth came out. Isn't that ironic? That true never got repeated? Girl, you know it. Girl, you know it. They missed true. Something how God got the last laugh of that that, that act. But the reality was, is they found out that they weren't just lip syncing it at, the, at that performance. They never actually recorded those songs. Their producer made this big hoax. And the two imposters in front there were just two good looking men who could perform and dance and lip sync to this. And so Arista Records stripped them of their contract. And, and erased and, and destroyed the master recordings to put a shot across the bow that no art- artists should ever do this again as if they didn't know. Folks, we have far too many Christians lip-syncing the life. And we come and we lip-sync these songs on Sunday and our lives are very different throughout the week. You don't have to be a believer in Christ to really despise imposters. And and the people who aren't living their lives by faith, I I talk to a lot, having friends who don't know Christ. And that's their number one complaint about the church, is that Christians are hypocrites. We're imposters. Because we do one thing on Sunday, we lip sync here, but we live very differently out there. And the call of this passage is imitate Christ. Christ don't compare yourself with people around you don't look at other people in your field and say I want to be there I don't want to be compare yourself to Christ and imitate him imitate Christ because this is what an imitator looks like as he goes on verse 20 it says but our citizenship is in heaven being an imitator of Christ is going to reveal a citizenship that's not of this world. Now, to a Roman world at that time, everyone wanted to be Roman. They were, they were respected. They had their rights. With being a Roman, you had power. You had opportunities. It's very much like, like the outside world from the United States. Everybody wants a U.S. passport. They want to live here. They want the rights. They want the, the opportunities to live in the United States. But, but Paul was saying that I, he speaking as a Roman citizen, he was saying, this is great, but our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. I love this country. I really do. I've had the opportunity to travel to third world and developing countries this year. And I am thankful I live in the United States. As I've talked to people in there, they, they want a U.S. passport. They long to be U.S. citizens. Are we a perfect country? no. But we are really good in the realm of this world. And I thank the Lord. You know what? We are no, you know, we become pyromaniacs on the 4th of July. And the economy in Topeka takes a spike upward because we buy fireworks. And they're all around us. I mean, I'm dodging in neighborhoods fireworks that that are going off. We celebrate that. This is a great country. But this is not our final country. Our citizenship is heaven. And we need to live like that. We need to live like like that's our true citizenship. Folks, we're here for a purpose. To advance the kingdom of God. And we reflect the life of Christ, a citizen of heaven, who came to this earth and became the word in the flesh and gave his life for the will of the Father. We need to model that coming into this world and living our lives in obedience to the Father. Second word that I see here is suspense because it says this, our citizenship is in heaven, verse 20, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Now this is suspense, folks. This is something that that day could happen at any time. The return of Christ could happen at any time. So live in suspense now, if anyone around here tells you when that day's going to be, don't believe them. I remember in May at, at the five o'clock service, we had a tornado going overhead and we had sirens outside during just around the time that guy predicted the end of the world. And as I was preaching, someone was going, Hishma, have you lied to us? You know, it's going to happen. But we're still here. We're still here. And only the father knows when that time is. But we are to live into, in, in suspense because when that happens, folks, it says this huge transformation of our lowly bodies. These bodies that some of us spent an hour and a half to get ready just to present ourselves this morning. These bodies are going to be transformed to look like his glorious body that builds suspense at any time. At, um, in Union Grove, Wisconsin, there's a school called Shepherds Home and School, and it was built for children of special needs uh, by our church in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the one I, I grew up in. And And every day, those children go to the windows and they look up for the return of Christ because they catch it. They live in suspense, even with a limited mind. They live in that suspense that at any moment Christ will return and they long for his appearing when their bodies will be transformed to look like his glorious body. That's what we're called to live. We're called to live in this suspense where we leverage our lives. We leverage our time and our energy and our resources so that we can live in a suspense and, and look forward so that we are a church that when Christ comes, we aren't like this. Oh, oh, oh what? Don't bother me right now. We're, yes, come Lord Jesus, like the end of Revelation ends. Come Lord Jesus, amen. That's the church we're called to be. And an imitator lives in that suspense. Thirdly, an imitator lives in submission. It says um, that we will become like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject, and underline this one, all things to himself. That's the pattern of Scripture, folks, is that all things submit to Jesus Christ. All things. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The pattern of the scriptures is all around this concept of submission. We don't like that word because we give, we lose our rights and we lose our little universe when this happens. But our universe is far too small in our own minds. We have to see the God of the universe who created everything that is. And he shows up in Genesis chapter 1 into human history and he goes let there be into formless void and something becomes. He speaks into nothing and something is the result. We can't do that. I need something to make something else. God speaks into nothing. Sorry, I'm speaking so loud. Can you tell me I'm excited about this one? But but the reality is, if something happens out of nothing. And, and the rhetorical question comes out. If nothing become something by the word of God, then why don't you listen, Israel? Why don't you listen, church, when God speaks and you rebel? We're called into submission to him and we submit to his way. We submit to his will. We submit like Jesus did his father, not his will, but Thy will be done. We're called to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to be submissive to the will of the Father. And, And you will never imitate Christ if it's all about you. You will never imitate Christ, even in Christian ministry, if it's about your position and not the position of Jesus Christ. This speaks to all of us. This speaks to all of us. So we're called into that. And like I said, we can either submit to God and receive blessing or rebel against him and experience the consequences of just imploding into ourselves. And then the final thing that that an, an imitator is called into is standing. Look at it in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm. It, this is kind of like through time tested experience and maturity in our walk with Christ we begin kind of awkward and then we gain confidence and we begin to follow and we stand we're no longer thrown away or thrown aside by the circumstances of our lives or the loss of our lives we're standing firm and he calls them in in the plural stand firm not individual just stand firm and that's the value of the church that's why i need you and that's why you need me because some days you're going to have a horrendous you're going to get horrendous news or you're going to suffer and I need someone to, to show me how to walk with Jesus and to follow him and imitate him when you go through suffering. And then you're going to have a really good day and you're going to get the position, you're going to get the raise. I need someone to humbly walk with Jesus when everything goes well and you don't return, you, you don't try to accept that glory to yourself, but return it. We need each other. The church needs to show those examples of each other's. Paul calls us into that community of Christ imitators where we're showing examples of what it looks like to follow christ together this is what we're called to the citizenship suspense submission and standing now i'm going to give you a few more but they're not in your notes and this is no extra charge but this is what it means as we bring it down to what does this mean to, to really to really apply in our lives is that What Paul is saying is you are a generation, Philippi, who's going to advance the kingdom of God. And I want you to leave a legacy. When he talks about I I run towards the, you know, I, I run the race, okay? I fix my eyes on that prize. He's talking about one generation passes the baton of a spiritual legacy to the next. Do you realize that? You are passing. We are one generation away from forgetting God. Biblical history shows that cycle, and they forgot God, and they forgot God. You want to see that in spades. You'll look in the book of Judges. Seven times they forgot God, and they went their own way. We are that generation today. If we forget about him, he'll be lost. He'll be lost in this world with minds set on earthly things, with people ignoring their citizenship in heaven. And folks, we need to be that group that that transfers a legacy to people around us. Some of us have children. We're called to pass that legacy. Some of us don't have children. We're called to pass that legacy to people around us. Because a legacy is taught and it's caught. That's a key value when you think about it. You can't just say to your children, Hey, I want you to be nice people if you're mean. You can't. I've heard it. I've heard it in parents. Do as I say, not as I do. <clears throat> Wrong answer. It doesn't work. You need both of them. You need a parent who, when they say, hey, I want you to manage money well. Well, don't live in debt. Don't live in debt. What, what we want our children to have, here's the value. What we want in others must first be in us. This is key. We've got to be imitators of Christ. Christ. Because here's the deal. We can either be on one of the extremes. We can either be really teach teach heavy in our families. You need to do this. You need to do that. This is why you need to do this. And we don't live it. Or we just live it expecting our kids to catch it. And you need both. You need to say, hey, I, I'm generous because of God's ultimate generosity to me through Christ. For his indescribable gift. And because the work of God is, is money. You can't take it with you. I have to spend this to advance the kingdom of God. You have to do that. If you want generous kids, you've got to be generous. And let me just speak to those of you who don't have children or are single. You are transferring a legacy. What you want and pray for in others needs to be in you. I didn't, you know, this was just revealed to me in Surround Sound this week. I got a Facebook contact from a fourth grade friend. From Leland Elementary, the school was plowed over and homes, big homes were built on that lot. The school is gone, but the legacy isn't. His name is Ethan Hill. Ethan said, Joe, I don't know if you remember me, but every time I go to church on Sunday, I remember you. Because when you were in fourth grade, you invited me to your church. And you shared the gospel with me. And every time, I think about you, every week when I walk in and I see that that club that our church has, and you invited me to that club. And I heard about Christ. And I forgot about Christ in my young adult life. But I came back. And that legacy. How many people did your mom cram into her two-door Delta 88 1970-something car with an 800-pound door, you know? We just did that There was just something we did We started looking for people around us. That's the legacy Don't buy the lie that if you don't have kids you don't leave a legacy If you're single you're leading you're already leaving a legacy. What does that look like? What you want and others needs to be in you. This is a cornerstone to our children and family ministry You know, so many parents think i'll drop my kid off for an hour and a half. They'll be transformed Sorry, I put a southern accent on it because it doesn't need it. That's what we think about, like even in in Topeka here. We think that magically in an hour and a half, our kids are going to have a heart for Christ. No, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen if you're not living it. You can't give it. And your kids have far more time with you than they do with us. But if we can pair together and we can teach you how to do it and you can live that through the word in your home, then don't we have a powerful partnership? and can 't God be revealed in your family, and can 't you then imitate in a way that that legacy would be trans you know would be transferred yes yes so here 's the question I really want you to think about and i don 't want to heap a bunch of shame and guilt on you, but I want you to really think about this because this is where it hits the road. If someone were to imitate you, what would they see? if I could take the last two weeks of your life and videotape everything that's happened to you in those two weeks and i were to then watch that video and then just imitate it what would you see what would you see would you see worry and fear or would you see trust and dependence would you see unwholesome language or would you see language that builds others up? Would you see criticism and negativity or would you see encouragement and exhortation? Would you see personal comfort and pleasure at all costs or would you see service and sacrifice? Would you see generosity or would you see selfishness? Would you see boasting over accomplishments or would you see a sensitive humility to others? Would you see envy and greed or would you see thankfulness and celebration? Would you see love or would you see lust? The list could go on. The reality is, if we're all honest, two weeks, Hishma, that's too long of time, man. Just give me an hour and I'll give you that. No, it's who you are outside of here. Life is every moment. It's everyday kind of stuff. And we're called into that. And, and we want to live lives that show more of Christ. And and if we're all honest, we'd love to have a little editor's note so we could take little segments of those. But those little segments we need to come to the Lord with and say, Lord, that didn't imitate you. That didn't reflect you. And I repent from that and I turn away. I don't want to be like that. And when there's people who saw that as parents or as bosses or whatever leadership role you have, you need to be able to go back to those people and say, that didn't imitate christ and i want to be like him so many of us just just go oh that was yesterday no go back and allow the forgiveness of christ to cover that and repentance to restore that in relationships that's what we want to be because this world has too many imposters we're all pursuing a little image or trying to project the image of ourselves rather than reflect the image of Christ. And the scriptures call us boldly into this. I want to call you to be a church that reflects and imitates Christ. It's an honor to be your pastor. And as we go, you know, before this time, and I lead you into this time where we celebrate um, communion, what we're doing is we're, we're celebrating that It's not what we've done. It's what Christ has done for us. The the ground is level at the cross. And we're never called to compare ourselves with each other. We're only called to compare ourselves with Christ. And you know what that does to everyone in this room? That makes us all in need of the Savior of Jesus Christ. We all need to be saved. And only Christ can save us. We started out talking about how you're perfectly loved, completely forgiven, and fully and finally able to overcome the power of sin and death in your life because of what Christ has done. We celebrate now aligning our lives to imitate Christ. Whatever those things are, as we just take a time and reflect that we are now citizens of heaven, and as this music is played and we hand out these these representations of the body and blood of christ that was given for us for the forgiveness of our sins align our lives to be imitators christ you need to seek forgiveness seek it from god some of you if you need to seek forgiveness from other people or you need to forgive other people set them free so you can come to this table free of that If you're here and you've not yet trusted your life with Christ, I'm so glad you're here, but I'm just going to ask you, just watch this. Because I don't want you to be an imposter and take this just because it's a thing people around you do. You do this because you actually say, this is what I believe. And if today was the first time it's been explained to you of what Christ has done on the cross, it's not your work, it's his work. It's not in trying, but in trusting what he's done. May you, by your heart, trust your heart and trust in the forgiveness of Christ and and turn your life over to him, turning from your way to his. And may this be the first time you celebrate the new life you have and the forgiveness you have in Christ. We want to take this as a family, so as we pass these out, I just ask that you hold on to them until you're instructed to take them so we can do this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that boldly and unapologetically calls us to imitate Jesus Christ. We want to we be a church. I want to be a person whose citizenship is known that it's heaven, who lives in suspense for the return of Christ and the transformation of all things, who submits to your will and is obedient and humble when it comes to your word and your way, and who is standing firm. With other believers around me, not living in isolation, but in community, processing life and advancing the kingdom of God. For it's in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.